Welcome into the His and Hers podcast. I'm Zach Bennett alongside my world traveling sister. And today we have a great episode talking about the beginning of the NBA playoffs and the top storylines that we took from it. Jalen Hurts signing his massive new contract. That is all next here on the His and Hers podcast. Before we dive into this week's episode, currently the Philadelphia 76ers just went up 2-0 on the Nets and the Warriors are playing the Sacramento Kings and are up at the current moment. But in more important news, Paige, you uh, joined us, joined me at 3.30 local time. Uh, Where are you at currently? You're in Ireland? I'm in Edinburgh, Scotland. Wow. So I didn't even know you were going. <laughs> uh, there was a trip that was canceled a little bit ago. And then on Wednesday last week, you just decide to head out across the sea. I mean, I don't know how it came to be, but now you're going to um, golf at St. Andrews tomorrow. Yeah, it came to be when I was looking at flights around Christmas and I've always wanted to go to Ireland, found a flight for $600, so I booked it. And then issues with my license made it so I had to delay it, but I am here now. I've done Amsterdam, road trip through Ireland. Now I'm road tripping through Scotland the next three days, playing the old castle course at St. Andrews this afternoon. So it'll be fun. I'm really excited. And that is uh, pages 3.30 a.m. Just woke up from Slumber Voice. Uh, it's kind of like a late a- FM DJ voice. Like we're on our own road trip, strolling through the back country of Europe, listening to the hushed tones. And up next, we have DJ Saucy. It's just very seductive. I'm not going to lie. We might find a whole new podcasting center here. Send this to the dark web. Um, well, that sounds like fun. How long are you gone? What else are you doing? Um, just road tripping through the Highland. After uh, St. Andrews, I'll just go through the Highlands of Scotland over the next three days. And then I head back to the States on Friday. On Friday. Has it been, uh, has it been everything you ever hoped for? Yeah, it's been absolutely amazing. Ireland is beautiful i fell in love with that country um and the best part was i uh i was in belfast and i was listening to the lakers game and um every like five minutes it would interrupt with like irish men commenting on the commenters on the newscasters for the the lakers game so it was the best because all of a sudden it would cut to these irish accents talking about the basketball game and then it would cut back to the normal broadcast <laughs> that's uh that's one way to enjoy the nba playoffs um well sweet i'm happy that you made the sacrifice because heaven knows i wasn't going to change my schedule so uh good <laughs> that one of us was willing to adjust and better you than me is what i always say you know what i mean um well the playoffs are in full swing. Uh, we, we're going to talk about kind of the biggest storylines from the first weekend. By the time you listen to this on Wednesday, there may be a few things that have course corrected themselves. But I think nonetheless, uh, talking generalities about uh, how the first weekend of basketball uh, came to be. 
Uh, I think it will be fun. We're going to do a draft. You picked up a few of your favorite storylines. I picked up a few of mine. We'll go back and forth. Uh, but to kind of sum it up, um, the Eastern Conference uh, started with New York uh, going on the road and beating Cleveland. Uh, the Boston was easily took game one versus Atlanta. Uh, Philly, as I just said in the opening, uh, took game two on Monday night. They're up 2-0 over Brooklyn. And the Heat went on the road and beat Milwaukee to take an early 1-0 lead. On the West Coast, uh, Denver, uh, which a game felt like it started at midnight uh, the other day, uh, jumped out 1-0 on Minnesota. A great game, one between Phoenix and the Clippers with Russell Westbrook playing the best Three for 19 game I've ever seen. Jump out to 1 0 lead over Phoenix. Golden State is down 1 0 to Sacramento. And then the Lakers jump out 1 0 on Memphis. So, at, just for context, I want to lay that out for you know this conversation that we're about to have. That is the standings that we are currently looking at with the game between the Warriors and the Kings underway at the moment. But Paige, I'll let you go first. Uh, and again, these could be as specific or as general as you wanted them to be, but it, you know, your pick one, what would be the biggest storyline, biggest takeaway from the first weekend of the playoffs for you? Okay. First one is one that's on top of everybody's mind, but I think that the Giannis injury um, is a huge story right now, simply be because I mean, think back to 2019, uh, Golden State Warriors were, again, destined to win. And Kevin Durant's injury was in and out throughout the playoffs and throughout that season. They made it to the finals. He plays, gets to game five, and he has that Achilles tear. One of the worst, like, it was just gross to watch that game. And then they end up losing to the Raptors um, that series with Kevin Durant out after that injury. And not to like doomsday say that Giannis is going to be out the rest of the season, but it's just difficult when you have your all-star player get hurt early in the playoffs because, I mean, game one, Giannis gets hurt. MRI says it's clean on the shoulder, I mean, on his back. But does this have the possibility of flushing out like overreaction right now? Uh, Non-healthy Giannis isn't going to win the NBA finals this year. Right. And so I think that that's probably one that could be one of the biggest overreactions, but something to keep our eyes on um, over the course of the next little bit, because with Giannis being not at 100% health, I just don't think that the Bucks are going to be able to pull this one out. Yeah. Uh, obviously pretty big deal. Uh, number one seeded Bucks, and it, there's optimism that he'll be able to play on the game Wednesday by the time you're listening to this uh, tonight. Um, that that he'll be okay to be able to play for that game. But when you start talking about a back and you're talking about it was game one uh, of a series they probably should win. But, you know, the bigger emphasis being, like you said, on on the whole playoffs, not just in this series, in this game, seeing how it'll affect him and his movement and for a dynamic player. And, and kind of what we talked about last week, where it's more so to do with the fact that in those early rounds, you know, if you're a high seed, you just hope that you can get through them quickly, get through them healthy, uh, so that these later rounds, when they do turn into really hard battles, uh, that you can just get through them quickly. And so that's why I think Atlanta beating Miami uh, in the playing game was a bigger deal than people thought because Miami's a tough team. They're disciplined, 
and they're going to give Milwaukee a tough series. Even if, say, Milwaukee wins the next four, they're not going to be easy and they're going to be grueling, as opposed to Boston, who won the first game by 30, who's going to win the next game probably by 30 again because Atlanta's just not very good. Uh, and so they are able to then go into the next uh, series a little more fresh against a tough Philly team. Uh, and so I think this worked out in the worst possible way for Milwaukee. Uh, we'll see how Giannis does. I mean, just a few years ago when they won the championship, uh, it looked like he tore his ACL against the Hawks and he was fine. Uh, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know how that happened, but he's kind of a different breed of person. So maybe this will just be a blip and it's not really anything too big. Uh, but I do agree with you. I think it's something at least worth noting for the simple fact that it may drag on where it could linger and maybe be something down the road that causes him not to have the same uh, explosiveness against the deeper playoff opponents. Um, For my first one, I wanted to note that the Gold State Warriors just can't win on the road. Uh, one of the worst road teams uh, in the NBA and historically for a team um, coming off a defending championship. Uh, this is the reason that they're the sixth seed. It has a lot to do with obviously Steph's health, but also has to do with the fact that they just have a hard time winning on the road. So I think this is more, again, I still would, you know, as we sit right now, it's a tight contest three-point game in the second quarter. And maybe by the end of this, we'll have a better update. But overall, again, this is like how I view the honest situation. It's not so much in this specific series. I think it's going to sink them because I would still bet money that Golden State will come out on top. But I just think overall, I just don't think the defending champs, the Golden State Warriors, even with all that experience, they just seem uh, to not have it all together this year. And I just think with being the lower seed, they're going to have – to play on the road more often than not throughout this playoffs. And I think that'll be their Achilles Hill and what's going to cause them a chance to repeat uh, for this season. Yeah. Um, this was going to be my, this was going to be my second, my third one, but I'm going to bump this up to the second one so that it kind of coincides with yours. And that's that like overreaction for the first game of the series is that the Kings like offense is going to be really difficult for the Golden State Warriors to beat if the Golden State Warriors don't step up their offense a lot more than they have been playing this entire season. Obviously, the Warriors, an incredible team with a franchise with a lot of history, but I think that being like in Sacramento, they're only like 80 minutes from their home. You would think that they would have a big presence of fan base up there, but it was kind of cool to see this team, the Sacramento Kings team who hasn't been to the playoffs in 16 years have 90% of that stadium um, filled with fans for the Kings and like Draymond Green commenting after saying that it felt like a college atmosphere. And so I think that, um, the Golden State Warriors are going to have a really, they've been a bad road team this whole season. And then you put an environment like that in, in a franchise that hasn't won, hasn't been to the playoffs in 16 years. And you've got kind of the perfect storm for Warriors to be put up against. Um, 
But then also just taking into consideration that like the Kings offense has been the best offense in the history of the NBA, 119.4 offensive rating, highest in the NBA ever. And they're just putting up points in such a phenomenal way. And like the old, the age old saying of like defense wins championships, yes. But in this case, it's like if this offense can be as productive as it has been throughout the entire season, then there's a really good chance that the Sacramento Kings pull this out over the Golden State Warriors. I think it'll be a difficult fought like series, but I mean, Fox had 38 points and Malik Monk had 32 off the bench. And so, and they went 14 for 14 from the, the foul line. So like, there's just so many things going here for the Kings that I think are exciting. And so I just think that, uh, they're going to be difficult for the Warriors over the course of the series. And I think there's a good chance that they can beat them. Yeah. And, you know, and if you're, if you're the Kings, it really will just, you just want to get that game seven at home. Uh, if you can stretch this out, obviously, you know, but going into, uh, going into Golden State will be tough. I would not be shocked if, you know, Sacramento wins tonight, Golden State wins the next two, Sacramento wins game five. Golden State wins game six, and then you just get to a game seven where anything happens. Um, and, you know, you just hope that you avoid one of those nuclear Steph games if you're the king. So I agree with you. I think I think it's going to be probably the best series. Maybe uh, you're competing with Phoenix and L.A., depending on how that first game went. But I do think it's going to be a, a lot of fun to watch. Um, and, you know, currently watching the game now, and it's definitely living up to that that hype and California's putting out for sure. Uh, my second one, I'm surprised that this wasn't your first one. Um, it, has to, it has to do with the Lakers. What'd you say, Paige? Can't be too biased, you know. That's fair. Um, I'm going to go with the Lakers. And, it, and it's the Lakers overall, they they looked really good yesterday. Uh, if you're looking at that series as a whole, John Morant with his hand, apparently not broken, but he can't grip a basketball or it was a weird description. They said he couldn't like un like ball his socks or something. It was like very specific and intimate, I would say. Um, but on top of that, is Austin Reeves gonna get like his bag this year? Uh, the it's a very 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 unique situation where the most the Lakers can offer is like four for fifty, but a team can offer him four for ninety nine but the Lakers can then match that offer uh, for Austin Reeves and it's going to happen. Um, and he's going to get paid more than likely by the Lakers. Cause I think if LeBron, if Austin Reeves leaves the Lakers, cause they didn't want to match that offer. I think, I think LeBron will go nuclear at that point. Uh, he really enjoys playing with him and it was really crazy to watch the end of that game. And, and, you were listening to it, but LeBron was deferring to Austin Reeves. And that's always the part that you've liked about LeBron is that he's been humble and he hasn't ever cared about having the ball or being the one taking the shots. He's always been able to make the right pass and deferring in situations when the guy's hot. But it was just really insane to see this guy who was an undrafted rookie last year. Uh, LeBron telling the guys to give him the ball and have him run the pick and roll with Anthony Davis late in that game where they ended with a 12-0 run to seal that game in Memphis. So they play again tonight, Wednesday, um, and it's going to be insane uh, because if the Lakers are able to take that one, the series is over. 
they would then have home court advantage. Uh, and I don't see a young Memphis team without John Morant really at full strength being able to win. So it's about the Lakers. Uh, they seem to be as real uh, as advertised and as hyped going into the playoffs. But Austin Reeves being one of those reasons and Rui Hachimura being one of those reasons going 11 for 14 yesterday, one of the best games of his life, if not the single greatest game of his life, you know, seeing if that's even sustainable at a, a, a 60% clip. Um, but overall, uh, the Lakers, Reeves, AD, you know, that team is really well built, which is so funny to look at how poorly built they were to begin the year you got to give a lot of credit to what they were able to kind of flesh out and put together uh, for this playoff run that I think, you know, they have a really good chance because if, if they win, you're getting a Sacramento golden state team that, that probably goes six, seven uh, and has their deficiencies on either side of the, you know, on the defensive side of the ball and the Lakers have a real path here. And it's really crazy to think about, but they have a really legitimate shot to make a deep, you know, run, here in LeBron's 20th year. Yeah, it's just kind of like shaping up for the Grizzlies to be a bummer for them in terms of they just the injuries that they're facing. Yeah, Steven Adams being out for this entire series. and Yeah, yeah Brandon Clark for the rest of the season with the Achilles tear and now John Morant going down with the wrist injury. Um, and just the way that they're describing the injury with John Morant, I mean, I think usually, sorry, you can hear some uh, sirens outside the window. Um but it's interesting because with the John Morant injury, I mean, a lot of the times when a star is injured, we get we get feedback like we do with like the Gian Giannis one where it's like, oh, MRI's clean. We're positive he's going to play when it's in the postseason. You just don't get as clear. And it's just interesting to me about how like open John Morant is being about how bad his hand is. Right. Um, he's not trying to like hide it. He's really open about the fact that he's in a lot of pain even though they they didn't see anything on the scan so um very interested to see that impacts it but yeah i just think that uh the lakers looked really good obviously hillbilly kobe coming through clutch in that game so amen please um and i just think yeah if if anthony davis can stay healthy if lebron james can stay out there and be willing to give up those those passes and those looks to the D'Angelo Russells and the Hillbilly Kobe's on the team, then I think that we've got this wonderful working system right now and it's exciting to watch. So overreaction, Lakers are going to win the championship now. <laughs> that would be an overreaction, but the nice thing is people are listening to this on the day they play, so they can't come at you yet. So <laughs> you still got a little bit of buffer while you're on your European vacation. There you go. What is your third takeaway? Third takeaway, the Suns are in more trouble than I thought. And it's not just for losing the first game, but when you look at the holistic span of this trade, obviously it's like the Nets shouldn't really be in the postseason because they got into the postseason when they had Kyrie, when they had Kevin Durant, and now it's just kind of like, hope you have fun while you're while you're out there. Um but Kevin Durant has only played in 10 games with the Suns. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, they won all of those 10 games. But I just think that there's a lot that goes into an NBA season, especially when you have a season as long with 71 different games where continuity and play management um, 
helps players know what to do, especially when you have stars like a Devin Booker, a Chris Paul, and a Kevin Durant on a team where they're all going to want to take the shot. They're all going to want to be the leader on offense. And I don't know if the Suns have figured that out going into the postseason. I don't know if it's something that you can figure out in the postseason quickly enough that Mm -hmm. it doesn't hurt you in the first round. And I think that's what we saw. Um, I mean, Durant only took 15 shots and he had 27 points, but like that was the fifth most shots taken on the team. Like Kevin Durant isn't the lead shooter and maybe that's going to end up working out for them. But it's just it's just an interesting dynamic. And I think that I mean, I I chose the Suns to be in the to be in the finals this year um, last week on the pod. But after watching this, after watching game one, just all these fears started creeping in. I'm like, is this team ready for the playoffs? Like, is this team actually ready to um, play against these teams that are have been playing together longer who have more continuity have less stars that are able to just kind of like work together more as like a um, a well-oiled machine whereas phoenix just looked a little bit like fish out of water in terms of their the continuity wasn't there the flow wasn't there and i think without that phoenix could be in a lot of trouble yeah the stat line for russell westbrook was hilarious uh 36 minutes, nine points, three for 19 from the field, uh, one for six from three, 10 rebounds, eight assists, and then a couple stills and three blocks. And and I think that's why it's really important to watch the games uh, that you talked about. Cause you know, if you load this up and uh, you know, you're doing box off box score reaction to be like the Clippers won, but it was in spite of Russell Westbrook. When in actuality, the dude plays with so much heart. He played some of the best defense uh, on Devin Booker that I've seen. He had a couple taps uh, through the through uh, the back where he on Devin Booker's drives. He had a couple offensive rebounds that led to some threes. Offensive rebounds only he could get, especially at his height at six three. I think pound for pound, probably the most athletic point guard that's ever played. It, I mean, if if it ain't him, I don't know. You know, I don't know who your argument is, but I like my chances with Rush Westbrook, and then making uh, an incredible play to win the basketball game with a block, grabbing the ball, throwing it off Devin Booker to kind of seal the win. So, obviously, the Clippers are going to live and die with Kawhi Leonard, uh, and he played phenomenal yesterday. And it really, he's got to be the strangest. At, uh, I think. As like one of the best players to ever play the game, got to be one of the weirdest superstars because it's been a couple years since you know. Obviously, he missed an entire year last year with his ACL. He's missed an entire year year with the Spurs with his quad. But when he is on it, I mean, yesterday, thirteen for 24, 38 points, five rebounds, five assists, uh, just really, really, really good. But if things aren't right with him, he just doesn't play. So. I think the Clippers are really dangerous. And like you said, uh, when Aiton has more shot attempts than Kevin Durant, uh, I don't like your chances of pulling that one out. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. That's, I like Aiton, but not as not in that role. You know what I mean? So, um, no, I like that one a lot. Uh, for me, I kind of hinted that this, my, my third overreaction is – the the setup for the Celtics uh, setup. No, you know, 
was really well it happened really well they went from playing one of their rivals the team that's given them trouble you know beat them in the uh, conference finals in the bubble took them to seven and was one shot away uh, from any of their season last year uh, they avoid the miami team and they get this self this atlanta hawk team who i just think is bad who's at after the season is going to be shopping trey young at least that's what the reports say and you know they still have to play Philly next round, but you're playing you're playing James Harden in the playoffs, who hasn't who I think pulled his hammy late in the year, hasn't looked really right all year. Um, and so you still gotta f- play the force that is Joel Embiid, but you're playing playoff James Harden. Uh and then you hopefully will lead into where Milwaukee has a dog fight with Miami. That whoever wins at Cleveland, New York is gonna be tough to beat in a seven-game series. And so all of a sudden. If you can get out of this Atlanta, get some rest in between before you play Philly, uh, you know, handle them with relative ease, just stay healthy. I don't know. I just think that the the playoffs and that first round in particular set up really well for Boston. Uh, and so I think you're looking at a chance where they could they could make their run and get back to the finals to hopefully, you know, force Celtics fans win the championship. So just looking at how that all played out, I think that. If you're Boston, you're feeling pretty good about how you sit currently, even though you've just played one game. Yeah, sitting really pretty. I think the one thing that can be a cause for concern for the Boston team is to when you look at the stats they've got after shooting, they were at 60% in the first half. Um, and then their shot, their shooting went down to 34.9 in the second half. And I mean, that might be because they had such a substantial lead um, right. over the Celtics. Um, but I think that's one thing to watch out for is that if that continues with a lower shoot a shooting percentage in the second half, then teams that are in Atlanta, I mean, you put them up against um, other teams that can get you better points off rebounds and things like that, then that could be the one area that they could kind of capitalize on on playing the Celtics. But I think you're right. I mean, watching that game and looking at the series, like, it looks like Boston is who everyone has been saying they are this season. Absolutely. Uh, do you have any honorable mentions? Because I have one in case you took one of mine. Um, I think my honorable mention is just going to be that uh, I hope that we just ha- see some fun Nets basketball. I mean, I kind of mentioned earlier that like they actually have no business being in the playoffs anymore, given that the team that got them there is no longer the team that is headquartered out of Brooklyn. And so that should just be an interesting series by far. Yeah, I think uh, I think they gave them a pretty good game. Uh, you know, one, uh, tonight's game wasn't all that eventful. Joel Embiid kind of dominated. And uh, we'll see if they can still one in Brooklyn, even though it's not much of a home court. I wanted to, my honorable mention is, uh, it just is funny, took it Donovan Mitchell. So Donovan Mitchell has played 39 or maybe now it's 40 uh, playoff games. He scored 30 or more in 20 of those games, which is, you know, you know, half the time he's scoring over 30 for you. And he's 10 and 10 in those games. So, you know, if you think back to like the bubble and that great duel that he had against Jamal Murray in the Nuggets, and he scored 50 twice and went one and one in those games. Uh, it's just funny. Just funny to look at Donovan Mitchell uh, and in the Utah played really well in a lot of those games and, and, and fell up short. And that Knicks game was similar. Now, he shot the ball a lot. I think he shot right at or just below 50 percent. Um, 
but you know, he played really well in that first game and the Knicks just kind of answered the, the bell and responded to all the punches uh, that were thrown at him. And if you're Cleveland, this is, you know, you're a DEFCON one. You cannot go down 0-2 uh, going to the garden. I mean, if you go down 0-2 going into the garden, I mean, you might as well just wrap it up, call it a day, because those p- that place is going to be nuts, even even if it's 1-1. They're just happy to have playoff basketball back. So that's my honorable mention is that Donovan Mitchell continues to play well in the playoffs and continues to not win those games for whatever reason. It's, it's a pretty interesting stat that I saw today. So uh, any closing thoughts on the NBA playoffs before we jump into just talking about Jalen Hurts' contract to wrap up the show? Of course. Go LeBron. Always. Always the closing thoughts. <laughs> like saying, hey, Paige, you want to say closing prayer? I already know, know what the word for word is going to be there. Um, all right. So we had, we had to address this uh, pretty crazy um, how this came together. So Jalen Hurts signed uh, a insane contract, five-year, $255 million contract extension. And obviously, when you, when you first see, I think, um, I can't remember how much was guaranteed. I'm pulling it up on my phone. Let me see if I can pull it up real quickly. So it's a five-year, $255 million extension with $179.304 million guaranteed. And the breakdown of the contract is pretty interesting. So obviously, the number one question people are going to have is, is he worth that money? Now he's not going to have that talent around him because you know I would make the argument, a lot of people make the argument, he had the most talented roster in the NFL this year. He by far had the best offensive line, great skill position. You go down the line. Howie Roseman has set up this contract. Uh, 2023 is $6.15 million is his cap hit. Uh, 2024, it's 13.56. 2025 is 21.77. 2026, it's 31.77. Those are the cap hits for the next four years. I don't want to see the cap hits for the next two because I'm sure they're 50 and 60. So those were conveniently left out. But nonetheless, Constructed in a way that allows for some flexibility now and in the future. What do you? What was your first initial reaction to the contract? What do you think it meant for the Eagles? And do you believe Jalen is going to live up to that billing of such a high contract, the highest per year uh, average in NFL history for any player? Yeah, obviously a huge, um, huge contract major move and I don't know I think we've been seeing this trend over the past um, decade I'd see trending up for quarterbacks being paid insane amounts of money and so this kind of trends well with that especially when you think about players like Joe Burrow um, and Lamar Jackson who will be getting those contract extensions this year and just kind of like setting up like what those what those guys are going to get paid um I think that there's a lot that goes into the Jalen Hurts one. One, obviously, Jalen Hurts is the type of guy that's just going to get it done um, in terms of like, could he have could he have bargained for more? Could he have gotten more guaranteed? Things like that. But I think that I mean, Jalen Hurts, it's kind of interesting if you look at the amount of money that he's made so far 
versus the other guys who entered um, in the same draft class. And so you've got like through three years in the league, Hertz made like 4.6 million while Burrow was around 30.64 and Justin Herbert was at 22.34, which is kind of insane to me that Justin Herbert's made 18 million more than Jalen Hurts has. And Jalen Hurts has played in the Super Bowl. Um, and so I just think it's really cool to kind of see that one, Jalen Hurts is ready and committed and just wanted to get the deal done. I think that that was really smart of him to get it done before um, before the draft, before May, just kind of like get it out there, get your money. And I mean, that's a pretty nice contract from every other person standing in the NFL. And so I just think it's pretty exciting um, for him and for Philadelphia to kind of like but doesn't only show, I think that there's something to say when these quarterbacks get these extensions and like commitment and no trade clauses for five years. I mean, when you know that you're going to be in a city for the next five years of your career, I think that it just can really change the way that you play, the way that you think about the team. And it's now it's like, hey, like this is Jalen Hurts team and we're building around him. We're going to give him the things that he needs to be successful. And so it'll be really interesting to see how this affects him and the Philadelphia Eagles over the long term. Obviously, to your point, like when you pay a quarterback this much, um, there's going to be those you're not going to be able to pay other players as much direct correlation to that and so will Jalen Hurts be the type of quarterback that will be able to shine even without like major components on every single position or will we see kind of like a detour from that yeah I, I find it interesting the uh the conversation surrounding um quarterbacks I've always felt uh ever since the quarterback market has gone to a different level. And I can see the argument the other way for the point I'm about to make, but I always kind of felt that they should just be removed from the total team cap um, just because they, they take up a lot of money. Uh, but I can see how owners don't want to do it because they, they want to be able to play the the card of, you know, be a team player, yada, yada, yada. But I just, I just think we're reaching a point where these contracts and these quarterbacks are are worth these numbers for the value they provide to your team and uh you know how much they mean to the success of a football organization i wanted to read off on the average yearly uh value here's the top uh eight i, I think it lists out the top eight cap hits because three are tied so you have Jalen hurts at 51 aaron Rodgers is just above 50 Per year, Russell Wilson's at 49, Kyler Murray's at 46, one, Deshaun Watson's at 46 million, and then Patrick Mahomes, a bargain at 45 million, number six on the list. Josh Allen's 43, Matthew Stafford, Dak Prescott, and Daniel Jones are all tied at 40 million. So you look at the list number two, number th uh, three, number four, number five, number eight. Uh, Matthew Stafford. So you're looking at about half the list. The teams didn't even make the playoffs. And a lot of these guys didn't even finish the year um, playing, uh, whether it was the injury or other measures. So it's a, it's something wrong in the world when Deshaun Watson's making more than Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, it, very much. And his is, you know, fully guaranteed that 46 million is etched in stone. So anyway, I, I read off that list because um, I just think every, you know, 
we get done with Jalen Hurts, which I think I always thought it'd be high. I didn't think that the Eagles would concede and give him the highest of all, you know, of all time considering what they had just went through with Carson Wentz and his regression immediately after getting the contract. But, you know, you're speaking about two different personalities and, you know, they, they know him, uh, they know the work he's put in. So obviously they can see the value and you made a, a comment about Justin Herbert. And it's very interesting how they've set up that rookie pay scale where it's slotted. And one of the most interesting parts about it is that the Eagles, because they picked Jalen Hurts in the second round, didn't have that fifth year control. So this was a contract mm-hmm. they had to get done. They didn't have the leverage of saying, look, we got this year, we got the, you know, we have your fifth year option, and then we got a tag year. So, you know, we don't have to pay you right now. Let's see a little bit more from you. Uh, and, you know, they didn't have that that opportunity to assign him now or get into the Lamar Jackson game where he feels disrespected and, and now you don't have a quarterback. But anyway, to to bring all the points together, I just think Paying a, you have to pay a quarterback. You have to have a really good quarterback to win in the NFL. Um, and what we have, you know, next, we still have Lamar that needs to get paid. You still have Joe Burrow that needs to get paid. Justin Herbert can get paid. These contracts are going to reach ludicrous numbers, and they're going to be mind-boggling because now Joe Burrow could say, "I want like I've I've done the same." Uh, but I've done it for a couple years than what Jalen Hurts has done. So pay me 55 million or 52 million. And then Justin, Justin Herbert said, well, you guys need to surround me. Give me 53. And it's just going to continue to climb. And these deals are going to get just outrageous. Uh, but it cannot be excuse not to build a good team uh, because, you know, Patrick Mahomes, when he signed his, it was record breaking at the time. Uh, but they continue to build a solid team around him. Uh, to fill out those holes. I think Jalen Hurts isn't going to be worth this money. I do think that there will be some level of regret to making such a big commitment to him. I like him a lot. I just don't see where you're going to get that value back is one of the reasons I think he succeeded a a great amount was because of his situation, not so much because of the quarterback he is. Now, I could be dead wrong. I'm wrong about a lot of things, but I just – you saw one year where it popped for him, but everything laid out for the Eagles last year. The schedule laid out perfectly for them. Uh, again, the best offensive line, they avoided a, – a, really, they avoided injury except for Lane Johnson towards the end of the season, but even he was healthy enough to play. Uh, and so I just don't see where you can just fork out that money based off of one year of massive production. I would have waited another year and see if you would have got the same results and maybe a different circumstance. but. Nonetheless, he got paid. Good for him. Uh, that's life-changing, generational-changing money. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. I think that the one of the most things I'm interested, obviously everyone's been following the storyline of Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, but I think that it'll be interesting to see how this impacts that at all. I think the biggest key there that um, – Lamar Jackson has been looking for like guaranteed money in excess of the two of 230 million Watson deal got on his last year with Cleveland. And I think that Lamar has been like, he's that's like been his expectation. Like if Deshaun gets this, then like I want more than Deshaun because I've been an MVP. I've never been suspended. I've had good, I haven't had any trouble off the field. And so like, I think that that's where Jackson's argument is coming from. Like, using Deshaun Watson as a baseline. And I think, unfortunately for him, you're going to see 
when team when players like Jalen Hurts are willing to like make some, they don't they don't fight for that guaranteed money um, that Deshaun Watson got. Then I think that it's not going to do any service for Lamar Jackson to kind of get that guaranteed, and we might see him finally concede to the lesser contract that he didn't initially want, simply because the other major players in the NFL are not doing that, especially when you look at like a Joe Burrow. I think that situation is going to be unique because um, you've got T Higgins and Jamar Chase who also need to be paid in that organization. And I don't think that Joe Burrow would want to lose those guys. So I think you could see Joe Burrow being willing to accept less money so that he could continue to play with players like them who will be intricate to him having success in the league. And so I think that you see Joe Burrow take less guaranteed I think that you see Justin Herbert take less guaranteed to get some weapons around him and so unfortunately for Lamar Jackson I don't think that's going to shake out well in terms of him getting that guaranteed money I think the Deshaun Watson case is going to continue to be an outlier and not the norm as much as some of these quarterbacks want it to become the norm yeah it's uh it's, it's an interesting conversation uh with these players because you know there's a lot of contract drama when it comes to the NFL because it is like the MLB where these there's limits uh, or there's limitless amount of money in years you could throw on an NFL contract. Like Patrick Mahomes was 10 years, $500 million. Um, but it's not like the MLB where there's no cap. And so you're balancing a lot of different things and you have to be able to pay 52 other players and round out a roster. And so more than any other sport, you know, minus maybe a couple guys, you know, like a Patrick Mahomes, there's very few people uh, that can succeed without top level, high level talent around them. Uh, and so it's a balancing act between getting your money that you deserve and they all rightfully deserve it and uh, having enough to pay the people to support you, to help you make you look really good. Cause you know, that's a perfect point. Joe Burrow been in the league you know, the four years now, but he's never had to play uh, without top, top level wide receiver talent. Um, he's always had really good wide receivers. And so does he want to lose that? Does he want to have to go with what Patrick Mahomes had to deal with last year where his best wide receiver was a tight end? You know, it's just it's just something for, you know, for the thought. And I think with the Eagles and uh, Jalen Hurts, you know, the same question we asked with him. Yeah, you had a tremendous year last year. You're an MVP candidate. You took him to the Super Bowl. But taking that money, you know, now you risk being able to pay top-level talent that you have on the offensive line, Getting, you know, going out and paying an A.J. Brown and vice versa and keeping guys on defense. So, anyway, it could be proven wrong, wrong but I made this bet with uh, one of my buddies who's a Cowboys fan. So he made the bet because he hopes it's true, but he thinks he thinks the Eagles are legit. I think that they're going to, I think they're going to finish uh, at or below 500. Uh, I think they're going to go like eight, nine next year. And this is going way, way up ahead in prediction. Um, but I just, I just think everything kind of laid out for him last year perfectly. And that Eagle media and Eagle fan base would uh, want to tear Jalen hurts alive. If, they if they pay him all that money and then they don't even make the playoffs next year. But I'm just throwing it out there. I just think every single year there's about a 60% turnover in the playoff teams. The NFC East hasn't had a back-to-back winner since like 2004. So look at the pieces. All right. I'm telling you that it's going to fall apart for him. <laughs>
but I could be freezing cold takes here. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, any other thoughts uh, while we wrap up this episode? No, uh, excited for draft week next week. That's right. We will give, uh, we'll probably do the top 16 picks, do the first half of the draft, how we think it's going to shake out. Um, we'll probably talk about those in depth. Maybe we'll just let you know what we're thinking for the back half of the draft. Like if there's any quarterbacks, they're going to sneak in any, you know, fall, you know, fallers or, or climbers. Uh, but we look forward to the next week's episode. So uh, if nothing else, Paige, I guess uh, we'll see you then. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the His and Hers podcast. Have a great week, Paige. Travel home safely. And we can't wait to talk about the NFL draft next week. <laughs>